Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right. Well, in 1886, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a novel by the name of The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The story is about the abnormal behavior a a London lawyer observed in his best friend, Dr. Jekyll, and then his alter ego, Edward Hyde. Well, sometimes life imitates art. The book was based upon a rare mental condition called split personality. I doubt many of us know really somebody who deals with that. However, we might have seen people act one way one minute and another way the next minute, and we might sometimes refer to them as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, this book was, of course, fictional, and most people don't have that type of psychosomatic dysfunction, such as the Jekyll and Hyde, but there is a spirit of double-mindedness mentioned in the Bible, where we might see the likeness of Jekyll and Hyde in the life of a believer. I actually remember dealing with this spirit myself, and I thought, I kind of named it myself because I had no idea that there was a spirit called double-mindedness, and I called it the spirit of sabotage because in my life, it always felt like I would do really great at something, and then I don't just fall off the wagon. I let the wagon roll me over. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I am all or none in so many places in my life. And so I always felt like, man, I just would sabotage myself. So I always called it thinking it was the spirit of sabotage. But there really is something called the spirit of double-mindedness. Now, I'm very aware that there are mental disorders, and you guys are too, such as schizophrenia, multiple personality disorders. And my cousin, actually, I have a cousin of mine that suffers from bipolar disorder and some other disorders are thrown in there, where he's actually had complete psychotic breaks from reality. So please understand that when I'm talking about the spirit of double-mindedness, I'm not talking about those disorders. However, very possibly these disorders might have the spirit of double-mindedness in there. I mean, I've actually talked to to my cousin about this. I expressed my belief that these mental disorders could probably have a spirit of double-mindedness within there. And he actually totally agrees. I thought that was interesting. So understand, I don't have any science background, of course. You know, I'm not a a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything like that. So I'm not talking about mental disorders here. I'm talking about a spiritual disorder. So just making sure you understand that. Um, It's found in James 1, 7 through 8. The English Standard Version reads this way. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. So the majority of double-minded people manage to function in life and they do have some success, yet they still have those characteristics of a spirit of schizophrenia. And this causes them to be constantly unstable in many areas of their lives, never having peace about who they are or what they can do or what they could accomplish. 
So what is the spirit of double-mindedness? I mean, I've kind of touched on it, but let's talk about it a little bit, a little better here. When James was speaking about this spirit in that Bible verse, he was speaking to the saints. From a resource called Barnes Notes on the Bible says, a double-minded man. The word here is used in the Greek, Greek word dipsukos and occurs only here, James 1, 8, and in James 4, 8. And it means properly one who has two souls, then one who is wavering or inconstant is applicable to a man who has no settled principles, who is controlled by passion, who is influenced by popular feeling, who is now inclined to one opinion or course of conduct and now to another. So a person who is dealing with this spirit is wavering, irresolute, doubting, changing, inconsistent. Some synonyms of double-minded, indecisive, inconsistent, unpredictable, erratic, hesitating, vacillating, wavering, procrastinating, questioning, doubting, lingering, delaying, not firmly placed, unsteady, and lacking emotional control. Hmm, do we know anybody like that? So they have problems making decisions and sticking with them. And so due to this instability, they're always changing their minds concerning relationships, careers, ministries, churches, etc. Well, God didn't create us to be unstable people. He created us in his image, which he is not unstable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Dependable and consistent. God also knows that instability can keep us from excelling. The desire of the enemy is to cause unbelief, doubt, questioning, reasoning, wavering and confusion to rule your life. All of this is the opposite of faith, right? He knows that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Or Satan knows without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, we are unable to receive from God and others, and we will constantly, and this is big, we will constantly strive to fulfill these voids selfishly and through immediate gratification. That's big right there. If we lack stable faith, we can become double-minded. It's like two opinions, two wars working inside us. And these opinions can actually kind of become like two distinct personalities. And though we know we should have faith, faith will not be working fruit in our lives because and the unstableness causes us to be, be tossed to and fro. So how does double-mindedness get in? Well, two main strongholds make up this double-minded spirit. You could look at them as like two personalities. It's rejection and rebellion. These are the wonder twin spirits of the underworld. Then, not only do we have to deal with those guys, we have the spirit of bitterness that comes in and attaches itself to rebellion. So they act like this threefold cord. Now, rejection is the doorway. Demons associated with rejection make it almost impossible for a person to develop into the true person God created them to be. This, I think this is a huge point here. They become ruled by these spirits and they find themselves always trying to compensate for their lack of development and their lack of confidence. Sometimes because they're never fully able to develop their true personality, a false personality is formed. A mask or a true personality is masked by that new personality. It reminds me of 
a parent when they have a little baby and they want them to eat their broccoli. And so instead of doing that, they take the Hawaiian Delight. And those of you who have babies, you know what I'm talking about. They take the Hawaiian Delight and they mix the broccoli and they make this third weird food, right? It's not really broccoli and it's not really Hawaiian Delight anymore. And it's this third weird taste. That's what it's like. It's not the true personality God made us. It's this weird something else that is made. So after that, after rejection comes in, now the other wonder twin comes in, rebellion. So rebellion comes in to protect themselves from hurt and from being taken advantage of. It's that get them before they get me attitude. And with rebellion, as I mentioned, always comes bitterness. And bitterness is held against those people and life circumstances that have caused all the hurt and the trauma. So part of this instability in these people is the ping-pong action between these demons in their souls and their minds. Without deliverance, we could all experience double-mindedness in our lives. Because how many of us has, have not dealt with uh, rejection or rebellion in our lives? Not any of us, right? So how might this manifest in people? We all know people who might deal with this. I already, I already confessed, I, I, I have dealt with this in my life. And, and other times in my life have been worse than other times. The believer who lives a strong Christian life but has seasons of backsliding would be an example of this person. Or a person who is outgoing and cheerful yet falls into bouts of withdrawal and depression. It's the person who's hardworking and a perfectionist, and then yet they have periods of lethargy and sloppiness. Or the person who is gentle and kind, but has periods of outburst and rage. Double-mindedness can result in a lifetime of bad relationships. Relationships and covenants require stability. Unstable people have difficulty with long-lasting, stable relationships. It's a primary cause for divorce. It affects families and children who need stable parents, stable home environments. It can affect churches because churches are made up of relationships, right? It can also affect a person's relationship with God. James 4, 1 through 10, this is a long verse, but I, I want to read the whole thing because it talks all about this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So reading the verse in full context gives us a better understanding of how double-mindedness will show up in our lives. And even when we look like lovers of God on the outside, our passions can be at war within us. James goes on to say being a lover of the world is an enemy of God. To be double-minded is to try to be righteous and love God and simultaneously chase after the passions of this world. 
Double-mindedness can cause worldliness and carnality. The rejection side of the double-minded spirit weds a person to the world for love. It's simply Satan's substitute for true love. Worldliness can be seen probably best in a teenager's rebellion. They'll often get into a lifestyle of lust, perversion, drugs. It can be seen in provocative clothing, drug addiction, goth dressing, smoking, running away, fighting, gang activity, profanity, disrespect to authority, alternative lifestyles, depression, suicidal tendencies, and withdrawal. And Bruce Levine's book, How Teenage Rebellion Has Become a Mental Illness. That's interesting, isn't it? This is what he says. For a generation now... Disruptive young Americans who rebel against authority figures have been increasingly diagnosed with mental illnesses and medicated with psychiatric or psychotropic drugs. Disruptive young people who are medicated with Ritalin, Adderall, and other amphetamines routinely report that these drugs make them care less about their boredom, resentments, and other negative emotions, thus making them more compliant and manageable. And so-called atypical antipsychotics such as Risperdal and Zyprexa, I hope I'm saying those right, powerful tranquilizing drugs are increasingly prescribed to disruptive young Americans, even though in most cases they are not displaying any psychotic symptoms. Interesting, huh? Double-mindedness can also cause war and fighting. James 4.1, already read this, but just want to bring this back to your attention. Where do wars and fights among you come from? Do they not come from your lusts that war in your body? Wars and fighting come from lust. Lust is part of the rejection spirit. Lust also causes confusion. Double-mindedness can cause indecision. If it is displeasing to you to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. If it should be your, the gods your fathers served beyond the river of the gods in the Amorites' land where you are now living, yet as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen. Love that declaration. Double-mindedness causes indecision, which results in, this is big right here, procrastination, compromise, confusion, forgetfulness, and indifference. Indecision is one of the most debilitating problems because life is based on decisions. Indifference is an attitude that causes a person to avoid making decisions. Procrastination is another way of avoiding decisions by just putting them off for a future time. It can also be rooted in fear of making a decision. In addition to this is the fear of making the wrong choice. Our choices pave the way for success or failure. A double-minded person has a difficult time making decisions and often changes his or her mind after they make the decision. This results in wavering and always questioning one's own decision. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witnesses against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Our lives are the result of our choices. We choose our path in life. We choose who to marry. We choose to have children or not. We influence what they will choose when they get older. Our jobs, friends, places we live. The Bible is full of people who've made good and bad choices and suffered the consequences. Proper decision-making is the result of wisdom and a stable personality. Let's talk about double-mindedness in the church. This stronghold runs rampant in churches. 
People fall away from churches because of rejection from leadership sometimes. Leaders fall out of agreement with God and each other because of rejection and rebellion, which leads to church splits. Thankfully, we've not experienced a church split, but we have seen the fall away of believers. Let's talk about that because we might actually delude ourselves into thinking that we could never experience a falling away from the Lord. Unbelief and backsliding are signs of double-mindedness, someone wavering between two lifestyles. Double-mindedness breeds unbelief and doubt, and the double-minded believer will waver between righteousness and their walk with God and their love of the world. And you've seen this in people we all have, maybe in ourselves. When th- uh, this, these, these people, you always know them because when things are bad, they run to the church and like an IV, they plug in and they stay until they're good. And then they leave again. Or it's those people that have never really had anything bad happen to them. But now all of a sudden, bam, they get, they get hit with something really bad. And now they're mad at God because of that instability. And they may fall away from God, sometimes never returning. Unstable, double-minded ministers or pastors can twist the scriptures. Unstable people cannot handle the meat of the word. Cults are led by double-minded leaders. Unstable people follow unstable leaders. We could also make a case for very controlling ministers who have legalistic ministries, since abuse and control are signs of the rebellion personality. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 13 and 20 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. It's interesting because the reason that double-minded people can be attracted to, say, cults or legalistic controlling churches is because they are looking for that identity. Remember I said they they don't have their true personality. They don't know who that true personality is. It's that baby food, that third baby food that's been made that's not real. So when an individual doesn't have an identity, he or she will find one by getting in this special group. He or she will find herself under the control of an unstable, false leader who is also double-minded. And we see this outside of the church all the time. Think about young men in inner cities. Why do they get into gangs? It's this right here. They're looking for that special group where they can feel their own because they don't know what their true identity is and we could talk about all kinds of options of examples here all of us want to be accepted those who are double-minded want to find that acceptance at any cost and they'll join that special group so they can find acceptance within it let's further break down these personalities with a double-minded spirit let's talk about the spirit of rejection at length here in 1.0 we do talk about rejection but who of we i mentioned earlier who of us has not experienced rejection Not any of us, right? Rejection happens to us when we are wounded. So it's like a wound. And usually that wound, that rejection wound is left untreated. So demons are like those germs. And they come in and they are attracted to that wound and they cause infection. Which now we end up worse than than we were when the wound was actually inflicted. Not only does rejection wound, it can also affect a person's identity. I know I keep saying that. The spirit of self-rejection usually accompanies rejection. Did you hear that? The spirit of self-rejection comes in with rejection. 
So this person rejects themselves. The enemy sets up false personalities within a person who has been rejected. The core of the rejection personality is not just rejection. There's self-rejection and fear of rejection. Fear is a stronghold of the rejection personality. Fear of being rejected, hurt, laughed at, abandoned, mistreated. It causes a person to withdraw or isolate. How many times have we been hurt and what do we want to do? We don't go run and get with our friends and go have a fun time, do we? No, we isolate. We go and have our little pity party, right? Feel sorry for ourselves. I'm going to go eat some worms, right? Rejection is the sense of being unwanted. The agony of desperately wanting people to love us, but being convinced they do not. That's huge. They actually may be loving and accepting the people around them. But when you're suffering rejection, you're unable to believe it or receive it. There is an aching desire to be a part of something, but you feel you never are. I gave you guys, when you guys came in, that those are the causes of rejection. And it's interesting. I loved how this book that I'm taking this information from, how they broke it down to rejection for the beginning of your life. And then there's rejection for later on in life. And I loved that because I thought that was just really, really zeroed in really well. So take a look at those later on. Let's talk about the spirit of rebellion now. Often the spirit of rebellion comes into our life as a result of rejection. In a young child, you'll notice that rebellion is often a cry for attention. I mean, seriously, bad attention is better than no attention at all, right? The core of the rebellion personality is rebellion, disobedience, anti-submissiveness, and bitterness. The rebellion personality, I love this. This is, this is so smart. The rebellion personality is the is the outward personality and the rejection is the inward. So polar opposite of the rejection personality is rebellion. So rebellion acts out and lashes out while rejection withdraws, right? And now part of the core of the rebellion personality is that root of bitterness. A person can develop a root of bitterness from the hurt and pain of rejection it has related spirits to bitterness, is unforgiveness, resentment, rage, anger, violence, retaliation, and even murder. How bitterness enter enters. Well, first time you ever heard about bitterness in the Bible, do you know what the story was? It was Jacob and Esau. Genesis 27, 34, and 41. Actually, I think Cain and Abel is probably right as well. I agree. This is what this book said. I beg to differ. But we're going to talk Jacob and Esau. Yes. So I'm going to change that. The second time you hear about bitterness in the Bible. So Genesis 27, 34 through 41, it says, As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. So this reveals a way that bitterness comes in. When something that belongs to a person is unlawfully stolen or taken away, he feels that someone has taken him, from him honor or a blessing that rightfully belonged to him and that someone has cheated him 
or her out of something. And this is, honestly, this is like really hard for me because I'm that justice person and I really can't stand it when somebody has something taken from them. I mean, that like hurts me to my core. I can't stand it. That position, that blessing, those finances, whatever it was, has been stolen. So we all know someone who feels like they've been cheated out of something. And there are so many people who feel they've gotten a raw deal in this life. Now, they're bitter and they're angry. Some are so upset that they might want to harm or even kill the person they see who's responsible for what they didn't get. And the only way to keep your heart clear of bitterness is to walk in love and forgiveness. Absolute opposite of that. Now, Esau represents the flesh in these verses we read. His reaction demonstrates how the flesh reacts when we feel we are wronged. Satan will always try to destroy us through the actions of other people. All of us have to deal with that fact in life. In fact, Pastor talked about that a couple weeks ago. He said, that's the devil's job, right? It's to steal, kill, and destroy. That we should just get over ourselves because that's his job. And, you know, it's just the way it is. We need to deal with it. There are people who the enemy will use to steal from you in order to destroy your life through bitterness. Another way will come through satanic attack. So it can come through the actions of others and also satanic attack. And you think about Job. I mean, he was attacked by Satan, lost his family, his house, and his health. And many people misinterpret the story of Job. They think that God did this to him, but it actually says in there that Satan asked for him to be affected. Satan came to God for the permission. He approached God for that. But that's a sermon all on its own, so we won't go into that. Just know that Satan is looking for a way to attack you, and it's how you handle it is what determines if you will get the root of bitterness or not. How bitterness affects us, this is very interesting. Bitterness can affect the appetite. Job 21, 25. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. Bitterness can cause gas and indigestion and ulcers. <laughs> bitterness opens up the spirit of death. You guys laugh. It's serious. I mean, seriously. I actually know two people, honest to goodness, got a divorce. They both got cancer. And that divorce was the ugliest thing I have ever seen in my life. The bitterness was unbelievable. One of them got cancer of the stomach. Honest to goodness. Uh, next one, bitterness opens, up, uh, opens us up to the spirit of death. Job 3, 20 through 22. Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul? Who long for death, but it comes not, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures? Who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave? You can become so bitter that you might want to die. Bitterness can open us up to sexual sin. Proverbs 5, 3 through 6. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. When you feel cheated, you might feel like you deserve this, this sexual sin. And that verse is more for men, but it can minister to women as well. Sexual sin, though, always tells us we should do this because we deserve it. 
Foolish children can open the door to bitterness. Proverbs 17, 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Probably not a shock to anyone who's had children. Notice in this verse that bitterness comes into a mother's life if she bears a foolish son. So if your children are out doing some foolish things, their action can actually open up a door to bitterness in your life. Bitterness manifests through words. Psalm 64, 3 through 4. Who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. People who are bitter speak cruel things that will hurt you. You've heard that saying, a hurting person hurts others. That's that bitterness. A bitter husband uses his tongue to cut up his wife. A bitter wife will do the same thing. Bitterness in marriage is a killer. Words hurt. Have you guys heard that song by Eric Church, um, Kill a Word? Anybody listen to country music? It's a great song. I love the words of that song. When you are bitter, you become angry and abusive. How can you tell if you're bitter? Watch your tone. Watch the way you speak. Are your words cutting and harsh? Are they piercing? Are they hurtful? Here's another thing to see if you're dealing with bitterness. And I thought this was so interesting. Do you have an issue with alcohol or drugs? I'm not asking. You don't have to testify here. Okay. <laughs> bitterness is connected to alcohol. Isaiah 24, 9. So no more do they drink wine with singing. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. Bitterness goes hand in hand with alcohol and drugs. It's a way to escape the pain in the heart. All right. So whether you're dealing with this or not, you guys can come on up. It still wouldn't hurt to pray some prayers, would it? So if not, maybe you can start praying some, some um, prayers for some people that you know. There's a great uh, Psalm 112 talks about the stability of man. So if you know somebody who's dealing with this, start praying Psalm 112 for this person. But what we're going to do tonight is, and I have to put my glasses on because I'm getting old. So I'm going to read these prayers because these are amazing. So I'm going to have you guys stand up. And can we, yeah, I can still see with the lights off. So I want you guys to say, just repeat after me, okay? And let's go ahead, everybody say it. I don't care if you're dealing with it or not, but then that way you just make the next person comfortable in case they are dealing with it. So let's say this. I bind and rebuke every spirit that would attempt to distort, disturb, or disintegrate the development of my personality. In the name of Jesus, I break all curses of schizophrenia and double-mindedness on my family in the name of Jesus. I bind and rebuke the spirit of double-mindedness in the name of Jesus. I bind and take authority over the strong men of rejection and rebellion and separate them in the name of Jesus. I bind and cast out the spirits of rejection, fear of rejection, 
and self-rejection. In the name of Jesus, I bind and cast out all spirits of insecurity and inferiority. In the name of Jesus, I bind and cast out all spirits of self-accusation and compulsive confession. In the name of Jesus, I bind and cast out all spirits of fear, of judgment, self-pity, false compassion, false responsibility. In the name of Jesus, I bind and cast out all spirits of depression, despondency, despair, discouragement, and hopelessness. In the name of Jesus, I bind and cast out all spirits of guilt, condemnation, unworthiness, shame, spirits of perfection, pride, vanity, ego, intolerance, frustration, impatience, spirits of unfairness, withdrawal, come on, you guys get mad now, pouting, unreality, fantasy, daydreaming, and vivid imagination, all spirits of self-awareness, timidity, loneliness, sensitivity, talkativeness, nervousness, tension, self-will, selfishness, stubbornness, spirit of accusation, self-delusion, self-deception, self-seduction, judgment, unteachableness, control, possessiveness, the root of bitterness, spirits of hatred, resentment, violence, murder, unforgiveness, anger, retaliation, paranoia, suspicion, distrust, persecution, confrontation, in the name of Jesus. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! That kind of covers a lot of stuff now, doesn't it? All right. Okay, so also, spirit of rejection really, really likes to hang on to unforgiveness. So you guys have all been through deliverance before. So you've all done the forgiveness prayers and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, it doesn't matter. You could have done deliverance last week and picked up unforgiveness against somebody. But specifically what I'm talking about is unforgiveness towards whoever rejected you. So I want you to take a second right now. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of anybody that has ever rejected you in your life and then forgive them specifically in Jesus' name. So take a second to do that. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. 
The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.